I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic Magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Mesel Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks man. How are you? Very well indeed. Very well. All the better for seeing you, Ryan. Oh my God. <laughs> what have you done? What have you done? Because I'm not Nothing. in Berlin. What have you done? I'm just happy. Where are you? Undisclosed location. Ha <laughs> ha! There he is. Well, there he isn't. What to the point? Good times, good times. And I won't, eat, and I won't be here much longer, so... If, to be honest... By the time you hear this, I'll already be gone. The moment I knew you left Berlin, I could sense it. I could sense it. I was like, the city is mine. <laughs> the city is mine. <laughs> Take back control. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> oh, no. Any admin, though? Any admin? Uh, any admin? You got a piece went up on the ringer about catfish. I did. World Cup catfish, which I recommend everyone going to read because it's brilliant. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you um, so much. And other than that, Wright's house went up on Tuesday. Jeanette and Flo were on that. Yep. They were great. The dream team. And next week, because obviously this weekend coming up is the last weekend of top flight club football ahead of the World Cup. So next week we'll do a roundup on Monday of some stuff. And if we have time, we'll start our World Cup preview mm. things. Because we've been wanting to do a World Cup episode for a little while. Mm. We'll do it all in one go yep. before the World Cup. So we're going to have our big World Cup rant next week. Yeah. Because uh, it's 10 days till the World Cup, Musa. That's wild. It's just, uh, yeah. What even are we? Anyway. Um, other than that, check theringer.com forward slash soccer. Check stadio.football if you want to sign up for the newsletter. Scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in. And, oh, actually, one thing we haven't asked for a while. But uh, if you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. It'd be very kind, preferably five stars. 
Yeah, because we have to grow the podcast. If it's less, <laughs> just go and at Okwonga and tell him <laughs> and tell him what's up. Come um, at me. Did you? Oh, quick one on that. Did you get? Did you have a an official thing on Twitter briefly before they took it away again? I didn't. But what I would say to all those listening um, while you're here talking about Twitter, I know there's that eight dollars a month charge. If you're considering paying that, I can send you bank details, and you're very welcome uh, <laughs> to send me your eight dollars. <laughs> I promise I'll we'll just send use. you a hand-drawn, verified mark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, listen, you might not be verified on Twitter, but you might be a verified bad man. <laughs> You're verified in our hearts. Don't worry. All right, then. So today we're going to do a roundup, and then we're going to talk about we're going to talk about just like this scheduling of the World Cup, I suppose, and injuries ahead of the World Cup, mm. which I suppose is kind of goes against everything I just said about the World Cup episodes. But yeah. Uh, and then we want to talk a little bit about this A22 nonsense because yes, I'm not gonna lie, it just sounded really funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it did. It, it did. It did sound funny and also ominous. But anyway, let's get into that. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Do not in Napoli? Yeah, I think we have to start with Napoli. Napoli beat Empoli 2-1, 2-0, sorry, and it's a huge victory for them. Zielinski's sealing it, and he's been brilliant all year. So it's oh, that goal was amazing, it. by the way. Oh, my God. The way that Napoli keep possession when they're 1-0 up and looking for a second goal is spectacular this year in particular. So 2-0 against Empoli, tough opponent. Huge win for them because uh, Cremonese held Milan to a 0-0 draw, and Lecce beat Atlanta 2-1. So the closest challenges got done. So this is a big, big deal for Napoli. And they're going towards the World Cup in excellent form. And Osimen again, just outstanding. Just absolutely key since his return from injury. So really exciting for them. So Serie A is looking, uh, looking ominous for everyone. Can I just, everyone can I just say uh, one thing that Victor, Victor Osman did this amazing thing in this game where he somehow managed to have a header from about a yard and a half out and <laughs> almost lobbed the keeper off the floor with it. Yeah. So he basically headed it and it went into the ground and the keeper just misread the flight and then all of a sudden was backtracking because it was, looked like it was going to bounce off the ground over yeah, his yeah. head and in. <laughs> so if that had gone in, that, I would just, that would have been Stadio Goal of the Year, I think, just because it would have just been, it would have almost been like a multiversal <laughs> goal. <laughs> a Nexus event. Do you yeah. know, actually, talking of like spectacular goals in Serie A, Ed and Dzeko's volley against Bologna from the edge oh of the my box God. is off the scale. Oh <laughs> I actually think he suffers from, there's a little element because he doesn't really have a hype machine around him, but a goal like this casually did it and I'm like we're just not going to talk about this this is going to score this volley it's going to move on but it's one of the goals of the season it's definitely one of the volleys of the season so check out if you get a chance amazing check goal check it out if you get Sound of the Summer is that Sound of the say? Summer Edin Dzeko's volley against oh, no. Sound of the Summer oh, no. check it out kids how are you doing fellow kids oh no uh, uh, Napoli extended their lead at the top to eight points mm. and they got the depth as well Napoli. and they're, they're still unbeaten ominous. which is yeah spectacular team someone who wasn't happy was Jose spitting Cobra's back I'm not going to lie yeah, true, true, true. Couple of speed. Tommy Abraham was benched for this game, but mm. then came on, scored Roma's goal. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't the winner though, because a few minutes later, uh, Pedimonti 
got an equalizer, an equalizer for Sassuolo, but Jose said after the game, they used, what, 15 players or something? 14 he was happy with, one he was not, and he will be finding them a new club in January. Goodness me. So sinister. <laughs> I haven't seen yeah. that kind of menace from Jose for a little bit. Not against one of his own players, no. He's been like pretty much with the Roma camp. He's kept the, the group together, hasn't he? Yeah. So him to be going at his own players is a sign of some kind of, I don't know, sort of decomposition. Where do you want to go next? I think La Liga. Gerard Piquet's last game ended with him being sent off in the tunnel at halftime after saying something very, very, very insulting to the referee. Which yeah, that repeat. was bleak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the gist of it was that he, he basically said something like, no other ref has fucked us over like you have. And then... Added. Added extra, a, a yeah. horrible insult. Unwelcome, yeah. And the ref sent him off. So Musa loved it. Didn't love the comment, but loved the sending off. He would have picked a more iconic, less insulting comment to, to, go, to bow out of his football career with. I might but, have said something like, I might have said something like, it's such a pleasure I'll never be refereed by you again. I might have said that. It's a more elegant, it's a more elegant uh, withdrawal, I think. He used to be a good ref, you know, and then just walked off. Yeah, we used to be contenders, you and I. Used to be contenders, yeah. Um, yeah. um, But being on the bench and then getting sent off in your final game without even coming on is is one of the most Okwonga retirements I think I've seen. Yeah, very much so. Although, actually, the only thing I disagree with about this is that you didn't, not everyone saw it because it was in the tunnel. Yeah, there's not enough. I think you would have preferred to be in the middle of the pitch. Yeah, that's right, actually. That's right. Um, Robert Lewandowski also got sent off in this game for two yellows, which were just weird. The second one was bizarre. Like the second one, he actually he looks the better, guy. Right? He looked, yeah, he, and they're one nil down. Barcelona, this is a really irresponsible foul because Barcelona one nil down to Osasuna and he turns around and sees the guy and then like plants something on him, Garcia. And I was like, is there something, have they just been talking? I mean, how do you wind someone up like Lewandowski within half an hour? Like how do you get that job done? But credit to Barcelona coming back into this. It's really interesting. The two goals they score, the first one, Pedri, Barcelona points this out on Twitter. When Pedri gets the ball that breaks in the box, he has the whole of the rest of the goal to aim at. And so everyone is expecting him to go across the keeper and he goes at the near post. He's literally got like a foot to aim at and he puts it to the tiniest gap. It's genius, right? It's genius. You have to rewatch it to see it. And then the goal from Rafinha as a special category of goals. The lobbed header is beautiful. Rafinha's header Looping. to lob the keeper is just... Because, you know, it's such a clever finish. It's like... The highest praise I can give, it reminds me of like a sort of Romario finish. Romario would do that. So he would take the ball so early and the keeper would just be like, what the hell's gone on here? Yeah. Great finish. And a good week for Rafinha. Picked in the um, World Cup squad as well, as we all expected. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Good week for him. Barca are weird at the moment because they're La Liga. If you, if you, if you looked at what was going on with Barca Twitter and the mm. overall discourse of Barca, you'd be like, shit, they must be like fifth or something in the league. Right. And they are top. And they've only lost one game and they've got by far the best defence in the in La Liga so far this season. Mm. They're five points clear of Real Madrid who've got a game in hand on them, but still, it's they're weirdly efficient in the league whilst being in terms of results, but while being wildly inefficient in some of their play. Like see, just seeing some of the like this game, for example, I think they've really got to get really got away with one. Mm. Because the way that Osasuna played that Barcelona midfield is probably the biggest evidence we've seen with a lot of evidence already that they need to reconfigure that midfield quick. Mm. 
Yes. Because it's just not the one anymore. I think actually in a funny way, this is good because Busquets is going to play himself out of the team. They've, absor- they've absorbed the shock. I think actually these two things, these two negative things are good for Barcelona in the long term because Busquets will play himself out of the team to the point where he'll be like, do you know what? I have to just be a closer at this point. I can come on and do like, like Xavi yeah. did, late era Xavi, last 20 minutes, keep possession, deep and narrow, fine. And also the uh, Champions League exit is a good thing for Barca because they could really do without another demoralising defeat. When they're in transition, because Barcelona have those really unfortunate injuries, Araujo and Koundé. And mm. I think in a funny kind of way, them going out and they did is a good thing because them getting a humiliation in the first stage of the knockout, which probably would have happened, it's better it happens now. It's better it happens now in this way. They can make a run at the Europa League and maybe like try and like grab the league as well. And it ends up being a good season, I think. So actually, like, I think it's, it's, it's painful in the short term for Barca, but the long-term yield is good because now actually, weirdly enough, because Busquets physically is deteriorating so fast, it allows Frankie de Jong naturally to step into the team. And you see how happy he's looking now because I think Frankie de Jong is like, my time is coming. If I just stick around, my time will come. Yeah, he's, and actually, I'd love to sit down with Frankie de Jong and just be like, how did you know? How, how did you sit through that period where it got really nasty for you and it wasn't your fault at all? You just because genuinely because wanted to stay, and actually, it's going to work out. All do you okay. know why it's good? Do you know why he did that? Because look what Xavi did. Xavi sat through it. Yeah, yeah, Xavi yeah, Barca yeah. early. Early people forget yeah. what Frankie de Jong had this. It looks worse because it's social media. But Frankie de Jong went through this for a year. It was bad. It was brutal. It was only a year. Xavi went through this for years at Barca and sat there and could have been sold. People hated him because he was the new Pep. They hated him because he wasn't the new Pep. They hated him because he might leave. They hated him because he wouldn't leave. And this went on for years. And it's very interesting, like revisionist history, but it took his career like a good three, four seasons to get going at Barca. He had the early breakout, they won the league, and then like he kind of backslid for a bit. So Frankie de Jong, all he had to do was just talk to like Barca's historians. They'd be like, listen, man, they're all talking, they're all yapping. You put in three or four great performances on the bounce, they're going to go quiet again. And they do, and they will. If Ivan Tony can make it back from what he said about Brentford, <laughs> if Ivan Tony can come back from that brink, Frankie can come back from this. <laughs> um, staying in La Liga before we move on, Alex Ralston says, does the suffering at Atleti remain necessary? No, it becomes terminal. It becomes terminal at a certain point. Like we keep saying this, like, you know, the, the sword of Damocles is, a, is above Simeone in terms of like, when is it going to drop? When is it going to be the end for him? Atleti losing 1-0 at Mallorca, by the way. Just it's just, look, he has so much goodwill. Simeone, that I almost think that if, if and when it does end, it could be whenever, months from now, two, three years from now, I think it'll be of his choosing because I think he's earned that actually, weirdly enough. I think he's earned that. Um, but just a strange, strange year for them. I'm, you know, I don't think he'll you know, go this. I don't know any better, but it's very much they're going sideways and a little bit backwards, aren't they, at the moment? One win in their last five in the league. Yeah. Not great. A uh, quick shout for Real Sociedad who beat Sevilla 2-1 in Sevilla. Yeah. Sevilla were down to nine men. Even Rakitic with... There's been a weird thing going on at the moment with La Liga. They've, they've loved a, a VAR changing to a red. But I couldn't figure out what he got sent off for here. Me Did either. you? No, It no, was I like couldn't. a cynical... It was just one of those classic halfway line, cynical, just hold someone back. Yeah, and, that's, and it's a fair stopping a counter. Yeah, 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 I get yeah, it. And it's a booking it. all day, right? Mm. But the, the, something happened and I, and, and I was like, Okay, what, has, has, has Rakitic like stamped on him or done something? And I couldn't really figure out what he got sent off for. No, no, me neither. Me neither. Yanzu, on the other hand, didn't need a replay on that one. No, no, no. Absolutely not. And actually, Sociedad, it was funny because we started paying attention to them. Not we, but like the football community 
at large, started paying more attention, slight stumble. And this is like, it's a strong win for them, actually. Yeah, I mean, Sevilla just not good, though, at the moment. I'm really yeah. worried about Sevilla because Sampaoli hasn't really shifted the needle much since he's got there. Mm. And I think it's been, it's been a bit weird that such an esteemed sporting director like Monchi, who is back home mm. at the place that he did his best work, has, um, let's just say, over, overseen some really questionable departures without replacing them in the summer. What is it there? Is it, is that, is that over-reliance for slightly older players, not good transition, ill-fitting parts? I'm not sure what it is with Sevilla. They just didn't replace the departures. Mm. They've, just, they've got no, like, no real goals in them. Yeah. And they can't defend it. <laughs> that sounds like really harsh, but yeah. for Sevilla's standards, like Sevilla, we don't think of Sevilla as a bottom four side in La Liga. And their form is very much, and the way that they're actually playing the season and the problem areas is they're, they're symptomatic of a bottom four or five side. If anything, Kunde's departure was, in terms of the impact, well, I think we're fully, yeah. seeing it. we're fully seeing it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, quickly in the Bundesliga, um, this felt like the match day, or maybe the last two match days, really, that it was just like, ah, could this have been the turning point of the season? Bayern hammering Werder Bremen and going yeah. four points clear mm. at the top. Back-to-back drop points for Union meant that they now are second. Freiburg lost to RB Leipzig midweek as well. Good. That counter-attack again is looking brutal. I was, a, I, I was a bit surprised at Freiburg, really. They didn't really do much. Um, and that was a bit... I don't know. I think we've said that we said this on the last podcast, but just a lot of those, especially the non, uh, the Bundesliga, the, the Bundesliga sides without the massive squads. I was going to say, it's a squad depth issue with really Freiburg. Need, maybe they yeah. really, really need this this break yeah. Yeah. in the World Cup. Um, but Leverkusen beat Köln in the derby, and that's a good result for Leverkusen. And I think uh, Alonso's done pretty well so far. I think currently Ajayo hit us with a question, just asking what we think of him so far. I think he's done pretty well. Yeah. But I think you've seen signs throughout even the slightly ropey results that there's there's change there and that his ideas I think will in the long term be mm. pretty good at Leverkusen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wolfsburg beating Dortmund 2-0 in Wolfsburg is another poor result for Dortmund. Even the Wolfsburg Twitter couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't wild about these kit choices though. Well, I've got my own views on that. Listen, Wolfsburg, I will not forgive them for not making that turquoise Turquoise third short, second kit or third kit into a, a hoodie. It was right there. I had the chance, but they didn't do it. It was right there. And there was also, and I have to admit, I had genuinely forgot this was taking place this week. The League Cup in England. Oh, I was aware. Of, I was where that was taking place. Um, that was one of the few things. There's, every now, there was a moment a couple of weeks ago when I was like, there's football tonight. There was a moment a couple of weeks ago where I was genuinely shocked there was football tonight. And it was like a huge game. It was like a huge game. Like, why am I not my laptop watching this? Thoughts from the League Cup midweek? Oh, Brighton. Oh, right. Are you ready to go in there? Yeah. <laughs> Deserby. No. Because Colin, Colin Miller, Colin Miller sent a really good tweet about this. He was like, ah, Deserby comes in and certain pundits are like, oh no, like Colin Miller, great writer, by the way, for the mirror. Um, certain pundits, Deserby doesn't know, doesn't know the league. And the man is taking goals off big teams, left, right, centre. I know obviously like Arsenal had a lot of changes, but the way they played, mm. their second goal, I think, was spectacular. The way they They're just really the good. Yeah, beautiful to watch. They're really, really, really yeah. good, Brighton. I thought this was quite a good game though. I thought so. No, no, I thought so as well. And Ketia's finish was glorious as well. Arsenal's it was open. really good. Yeah, I, it, I mean, there's a, there's a funny thing around this game because I, obviously where Arsenal are in the league, mm. 
and they're through to the Europa League knockout stages. And, you know what, no side has had this start and not won the league, I think, in the Mm. Premier League. It's Arsenal's, it's literally Arsenal's best start to a season ever. Mm. It's great. Can I say, I'm actually, I I really want Brighton to the Carabao Cup. Me too. I really want to to lead on to. So (laughs) so basically what I was saying was like, I think for Arsenal, it was kind of like a, this was, and and I, you know, I never want my team to lose. Mm. Right. And, you know, but if you were, if you were going to pick a competition that has to go, because remember when we get back from the World Cup, the FA Cup starts. Right. Yeah. Which will lead on to our next topic in a bit. But heavily rotated. You know, as soon as I saw that neither first choice goal, neither the first nor second choice goalkeeper was going to start for Arsenal, I was just like, Arteta gets the brief. He absolutely gets the brief. Mm. Heavily rotated, but go out to a really good team. Mm. And for Brighton, this is a competition that I think this year, because of where the World Cup lands, I do think a lot of the top teams are going to be rotating throughout, maybe more so than they usually will do in the latter stages. There's going to be a space here for someone to really make a charge for it. And I would love, for example, if we got to the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup and none of the top six were in it. Yeah. Or, but do you know what? Actually, that Brighton might be in the top six. So let's well, just say... Well, look, look they, they could be... Teams who, yeah, teams who maybe you wouldn't have seen go deep in that competition or... Like, I would love to see someone get into Europe via the Carabao Cup who may not make it just in, just in the league, you know? Brighton should be looking, actually, at both Cups, domestic Cups. Oh, 100%. Carabao Cup and FA Cup, they should be slightly looking at both and Europa League qualification. And that is a, that's the benchmark for them in terms of the quality they're producing. But yeah, that was the They're that just was the really good. Yeah, that was the standout they, for me. They've scored three goals again. Can I say, in terms of really good performances, um, Shout out to Dembele for Bournemouth against uh, Everton. That man was dancing. That man was dancing in the midweek. Everton, um, the people I follow who are Everton fans on Twitter, they just they hate playing Bournemouth. Yeah. It's really funny. Can I just say, it's really funny because I didn't catch the game live. But it was really funny because I'm like, most teams when they lose, they do like, like a two minute highlight reel. And Bournemouth did a two minute, they were winning. And Everton did like a nine minute. I'm like, why are you releasing a DVD? You got done. Why, <laughs> why are you showing that'd that in 4K? That'd be Lampard. No. Everyone needs to know. Everyone <laughs> needs to know. Listen, we don't hide. We don't hide. Yes, those are the highlights for me. Bournemouth's win and uh, Brighton's win, I think, from that round. Do you want to talk about City going through? Good game, this actually. Good game. Um, Chelsea really going for it. Uh, Pulisic um, could have done better earlier on, but then was unlucky with a missed chance. But City just moving through the gears. And they're, they're after this trophy again, for sure. They're mm. after it. They're definitely after it. Because it's, a, it's good for, in particular players like Calvin Phillips and also I think Alvarez. Alvarez is someone who hasn't got under the radar because of Holland. I think everyone knows how good he is, but I think a tournament like this is great for him to really like lock in as his own. Um, so yeah, City impressive again. No notes. Um, Shouts to Liverpool going through. Creven Keller yes. has now won four penalty shootouts with Liverpool. He loves the it. The most of any goalkeeper in Liverpool's history. He loves it. He loves a shootout. He's mischievous. Yeah, for sure. I, lo- I kind of love him, actually. But yeah, going through against Derby, 3-2 on penalties. Wolves beating Leeds 1-0. Blackburn going through against West Ham at, on penalties as well. It was amazing result. There were some unbelievable results this week, actually, in, in the league. Chillingham, too. Oh my God, yeah. Knocking out Brentford. I love a shootout score. I love a 6-5 when it goes to sudden death. Incredible. Uh, Lincoln going through against Bristol City. Burnley beating Crawley 3-1. Leicester beating Newport 3-0. MK Dons going through against Morecambe 2-0. 
Charlton beating Stevenage on penalties. And um, the other games, Newcastle going through against Palace on penalties. Forest beating Spurs 2-0. Now, yeah. this was a good result. We had a question on Forest. Let me find it. From Ruben. Are Forest finding their stride or are Spurs just struggling or both? Column A, column B. Bit of column A, bit of column B, I think. There was a third question there as well. Mm. Well, actually, no, it's technically four. Are Forest finding their stride, one, or are Spurs still struggling, two, or both, three? Also, this is the fourth one. When was the last time a Premier League team made it this far into a season without a shirt sponsor? I don't have the data with me, but I do love teams without shirt sponsors. So I think for Forest, there is a little bit of finding their stride. Yeah, that result against Liverpool really galvanised them. And then I think almost like the the injustice that, or the, the perceived injustice and in the decisions for the Brentford game, I think mm. has really fired them up a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. Um, obviously in between those games, there was that, that Arsenal game, which I think they just compartmentalised pretty easily. Mm. Um, the thing with Spurs was quite interesting because they did start quite a strong side. Mm. And um, I wonder whether Conte now, if he could have, have a do-over. I mean, there was some rotation in there, but... Kane and Perisic still starting, a pretty strong, pretty much, not the first choice maybe, but a pretty strong back three, mm. a pretty strong midfield, Forster coming in, in goal, but I do wonder if Conte could have a do-over, he would have gone fully into the changes because then at least there's a little bit of an easy out, kind of like Arsenal in a way, if you, you got a little bit of an easier out if you lose the game. The team sheet tells the story, it's a kind of a, it's a trophy he was kind of after. I think that's right actually, yeah. yeah. I just think, I think that, yeah. Because that narrative spurs not having a trophy, it gets rid of it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just, it, if, as a fan of a club who's doing pretty well, who, who, you know, we, we think of Spurs as a big club, right? And mm. they are, you know, they've been in the Champions League for, in and out of the Champions League for a long time now. You know, they were in the Champions League final. This is a, this is a big football club. It just must be annoying for fans. Like as a, you know, obviously as an Arsenal fan, it was thrown at Arsenal for a long, long time. And it was just, it was just a bit like, just shut up. We haven't said like, this I, enough, but yeah. Arsenal having those FA Cups yeah. in the bank was a huge deal. Oh my God. It's a huge it just, deal. It just, it just like, it's just, uh, I, I don't think whether it, I don't think whether it really, really matters in terms of like executive level or actually professionals. I think obviously they want to win trophies, but I don't think, for example, if Arsenal hadn't have won that FA Cup against Chelsea mm. a couple of years ago, I'm not sure, for example, that Arsenal would be any less sure on Arteta. But I think it's more from the fans' point of view. But that's where it matters. Like, that's just, what matters. Yeah, just, yeah, it's just like, I just, like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about the lack of silverware because I know, like, Spurs fans will know, obviously, how much they've progressed over the last decade. Like, their transformation over the last decade has been unbelievable. Mm. Like, genuinely, you know, they've been to a Champions League final, like we said. They've got into the Champions League regularly. They've built the best modern club stadium in Europe by a mile as mm. well. And it's just that trophy just to shut people up a bit. Well, I to, let me throw this out there as well as a hot take. I think the Community Shield victory by Arsenal and Liverpool is one of the most important Community Shield victories in the context of a manager's arc in a long, long time. I think it was really important. It just felt like the way that Arteta was playing and trying to build Arsenal up every bit of progress was important. Every kind of positive data point was important because you felt like um, we needed proof it was working because it took so long for Arteta to like reconfigure the squad and everything. And I think, you know, obviously Spurs have reconfigured the squad and we've talked about Leicester getting the FA Cup. It was really important for Leicester to get an FA Cup, I think, to kind of seal that post-league period 
to really mm. consolidate them. And I think the same for Spurs. I think they need it. They do need a cup but somewhere. I was thinking about this the other day though with Spurs and I was thinking that the problem that they have is that Conte is such a short term mm. manager. He's, he's a manager for the now. And if you're not ready to win now, then it's, for example, I think Spurs thought they were ready to win now. And you saw that with a lot of people who, who tipped them to be the title challengers at the beginning of the season. Mm. I thought, I must say, I, I definitely thought they'd be stronger. I'm not going to lie. I, I think thought they'd, I thought they'd be stronger or a little bit more consistent, let's say. But what I was going to say was, is, is that I do wonder whether, and I'm, I don't want to kind of like start talking about post-Conte because, you know, whatever, Still very but, much there. Yeah, exactly. But I do wonder whether, I do wonder whether for Spurs is next, because Spurs have almost like hit that point where they're not, they're not treading water by any means, but mm. they're finding it really hard just to change, just to change tact and nudge up a little bit more. And I do wonder whether they might be better preparing to take a step back before stay, taking two forward. No, no, no. <laughs> what are you talking about? No. I'm talking like, I'm talking about like really committing to a long, long-term project with a manager who maybe isn't of the, the elite leap stature. Oh, of I was, like, yeah, that's why I was only half joking. I'm only half I mean? joking. I'm only half joking. I mean, like, look, and this is the thing. I'm not saying Conte won't um, go on and do really well for Spurs and continue to. I think that there's, there's also a recruitment issue. I think there's also, I think, I think Spurs do need, I, they do need another midfielder. I do mm. think, I just, yeah, I, just I think, do. I think they do another do midfielder. Who, do you know who it'll be? Do you know what will happen? It'll be, it'll be Ryan Mason. Ryan Mason will end up oh my God. being, Spurs' long-term project manager that wins, he'll, he'll win Spurs' first trophy in a while. You know, That's what I think will happen. You know, I, just, I do wonder whether Spurs fans would love that, actually, because I feel like since Poch, they've really struggled to have a connection to a manager in the same way. Mm. They've had moments here and there, obviously, but even with Conte, I just don't think there's, there's a weird, there's, this, there's always this thing with Conte where he's a bit like, yeah, if things don't go so well, I'm just going to bounce. So, and I think that actually having, committing to someone who has a connection to the club. And if you think about the story that would be, and I know I'm kind of, this is more, this is turning into more of a what if now, so I'm sorry, but if like Conte does leave and Spurs are like, okay, we believe in Ryan Mason. He's worked under like a few managers now. We think that he's the guy. And then all of a sudden, say for example, Ryan Mason wins his, wins the, the League Cup in the, his first Ryan, season in don't. charge or something. No, but you're making you're making you're making me do something I don't like doing, which is like directly going at a an, a potential appointment. But I really think Spurs, the next appointment they need is someone that people don't even just question. I don't that you know there's there's there's, there's, there's an era in every club's development where they can appoint question mark managers, giving them a chance. But I think they, whoever they appoint next, whether it's two months, two years, three years. They need to have someone about whom there's just no doubt. They just need no noise. It might mean? be Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann, like maybe, yep, yeah, that, that would He's be. He's probably not going to go Man United now. That would be incredible. I love, I'd love that for them. I would Imagine love that for Spurs them. Spurs get Nagelsmann. Oh God, that'd be terrible for everyone else though. I mean, Tuchel would be the ultimate heel turn, but still. <laughs> Do you know what though? That, not bad. You know, Jose 2.0. And, uh, he, is, he is a genius and he is out of work. So, you know. I still think he's holding off for like either the Atleti job or yeah, Tuchel Atleti or but, the or but, the Juve but job. But does that make sense? What I've said about um, when he said Nagelsmann, like 
there's just no questions over Nagelsmann. Like, yeah, but I, but but again, I'm just wondering whether Spurs need that or whether Spurs need to commit to something that's a little bit more long term because Nagelsmann isn't a long term manager. Conte well, Edward said Pep wasn't until he worked to City. Yeah, but that's totally different because is it though? Yeah, of course it is because Manchester City had been creating the infrastructure for Pep to they essentially created a lab and a campus and essentially like everything that's Pep needed just to walk in and be like, oh, this is mine. And Great. Spurs kind of have. Really? No, they, ha- they haven't really. They haven't. I mean, it's there, like, right? It's there, right? Yeah, but nothing has been put in place in order to... I but mean, for, longev- for, longevity, it. for longevity it has. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I think it's a different thing, dude. Man City's goal was to get someone like Guardiola and then when they identified that he was the guy, they started making appointments at executive level in but order to sweeten before. the deal. Yeah, years this before. was... That's, I don't think you can compare the Pep to City thing to literally anything else that has ever happened in world football because I don't think it's ever happened like that. Recruited that heavily. That's that's true. I think you quietly start recruiting someone like Nagelsmann now, actually. And you just say, look, we can give you this for five years and we're going to give you X, Y, Z. Like Conte will be here for like two more years. That's great. We're adults. You know, we know these things come to a natural end. Conte might give us two, three more years, but we want you to do the next four or five years after that and just give him a plan, give him an outline and a budget. But I think he'd be incredible. And he'd be the manager that Spurs deserve, actually. I think he would, yeah, I think it'd be amazing for them. Anyway, listen, uh, we should probably do some... Well, no, we leagues. need to just quickly, quickly yeah. shout out um, Southampton, who progressed past Sheffield Wednesday. And again, just big up Forrest, because that is a really good win for them. And mm. I'm intrigued to see how far they can go in this competition, because again, they can get safe or into a bit more of a safer position in the Premier League. Mm. This competition is going to be full of teams who actually really, really genuinely want to win it as opposed to it just being another game in the fixture fixture list. Listen closely. As a master painter carefully brushes Benjamin Moore Regal Select down the seam of the wall. It's like poetry in motion. Benjamin Moore, see the love. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Speaking of the fixture list, mm. segue. What were we talking about? We were talking about on WhatsApp. Well, players being in it, injuries prior to the World injuries Cup. Injuries prior to World Cup, yeah, because Sadio Mane got injured this week for Bayern, went off early. Obviously, there was the news that the news that Reese James won't be back in time for the World Cup when Gareth Southgate has uh, excluded him from the squad. We're recording this ahead of the announcement of the England squad, by the way, so mm. you'll all know the squad properly by the time you hear this. But... Good news is Sadio Mane might yet make the World Cup. Yeah. So, it's going to yeah. be touch and go so though, right? They, they, keep, they keep reported that he would miss it, but RMC have come back and said, actually, they believe he might make it. Yeah, so I think the, the, Bayern, the good thing about Bayern is that they are, um, they are really trying hard to, to work in, in collaboration with Sen- the, Senegal, the Senegalese medical staff to try and make sure that essentially that they assist them in all that they can mm. to get him playing in the World Cup, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. But, yeah, injuries. Lo Celso, Lo Celso is out for Argentina and he was huge for them as someone that runs the counter-attack for Argentina and absolutely huge. There's not, 
there's not a clear replacement for what he does in that team. It's really, really sad. Um, um I mean, so on, on terms of the, yeah, yeah. Pogba out. Um, Kante's out, but that was earlier, but still. What about Varane? Will we know if Varane's back in? Or is he not missing sure the squad? Yet, not sure. I think he's in the squad. But like... But the overall point you, being... Well, I mean, is, I, I don't know, for example, because we've not had this before, mm. but I don't know what, how this compares to just normal World Cups. But I think like anecdotally, or I suppose anecdotally is the, the right word for it. I, I just, the eye test, if you like, it feels like there are a lot more people... It's because it, you it can get injured like, just before. It's almost like injury season, isn't it? It's also because you can get injured just before, isn't it? Because the World Cup's in 10 days. There's no break. Yeah, there's no right. break. So there's no like three-week the break or four-week break or anything like that. That's a crucial thing. And so then people are, it's not only, it's the double whammy of there being no break and also people playing with intensity right up until the break because they're like, when the World Cup starts, we've got to be ahead. We've got to be. So everyone's pushing themselves the line with no recovery. And all the things you know about muscle fatigue and like recovery, it's just, it's kind of a disaster. People are losing, like Reese James, the momentum that Reese James had built up. He'll never go into a World Cup with this sort of type of momentum. Like, you know, I'm not saying he won't be brilliant four years from now, but like the, the way that he is peaking now, the performances he's put in, the World Cup was meant to be his kind of crescendo moment and it's not going to happen now. It's brutal. Like, and the injuries, we were always afraid. I think there's something we might even mention before at the start of the season. Like we were always concerned. The backlog of fixtures, this October and how brutal it's been. There hasn't been enough discussion about just br- how brutal October was in terms of fixtures mm. for all these teams. Mm. Um, because we normalise, you know, as football fans, we normalise ridiculous schedules very quickly. But it's so sad because we, the, the players are paying. They're paying the price for the irresponsible scheduling of, of authorities. Yeah, so, this yeah. has been going on since yeah. the return of football post post lockdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or actually, still during lockdown. But yeah. um, I saw there was. Oh, I remember what triggered this. Now Pep's quote about the Bundesliga return. The Bundesliga don't have a game till January twenty sixth. He said, mm. or January twenty fifth. Yeah. Uh, we play our first game after the World Cup on Jan- on December twenty sixth. So there's, this is the, the wild thing about it. So the World Cup final is what December eighteenth. Um. The Premier League returns on Boxing Day in England and the full schedule resumes after that with the FA Cup in January. It's absurd. Um, it's absolutely wild. If you've and won I the World Cup, is, you may have eight days. And then you're back in it. I mean, it's, I mean, to be honest though, I think this is, it's, how do I, I think the thing, the thing that's really, um, you use Reese James as an example and I'm going to, I'm going to, kind of just go back to that briefly if this had been a normal world cup so say for example i mean it would have already happened in the summer but say for example it was happening at the end of this season um so we are in a world cup year mm. reese james would have been back fit probably they would have they wouldn't have rushed him as much so let's say early january mm. reese james comes back fit he probably gets probably comes off the bench he might play a cup game an early round of the fa cup his minutes might be managed a little bit, especially because Chelsea are, you know, they're not top of the league or anything yet. So they're still kind of working their way. Top four now is, is Chelsea's priority in the league. He becomes a lot more managed through the end of the season where, and then actually he goes into the World Cup probably in pretty good shape mm. because the fixture scheduling has been spread a little bit more. You haven't lost a month in the middle of the season. 
condensing these fixtures, like you said, into such a, an unprecedented space of time, like the Champions League or the European group stages have never finished earlier before. Like it's just, they were done by November. Yeah, yeah. The first week of November. And again, I don't know how many times we have to cover stuff on Stadio where it comes to the conclusion where, when will football learn? Mm. When will football learn that this relentless scheduling isn't sustainable? Mm. And yeah. also, I just, I don't know what you feel like, but as a, as a fan, I genuinely feel exhausted. I feel like I'm kind of just hanging on. And we're about to go into a World Cup that neither of us are looking forward to. No. Hands up. We're not. No. I, I feel like we've been saying this for a while and maybe it's because we cover both the women's game and the men's game. So, you know, we were, we were doing, you know, let's say, even though we are not journalists, because that is, proven, well, that is, no that is, serving, that is yeah. a massive disrespect <laughs> to, to actual journalists. God. But let's say we're in football media, right? Because we cover both the women's game and the men's game, we didn't have the Euros off last year. We obviously were covering the, the men's Euros the year before. Mm. And fans go through that. If you're a football fan, you watch all the football usually, mm. right? Or a lot of the football. And just people I've spoken to, like friends who genuinely love football, like friends who, um, before I started working in football or even since I've started working in football, we used to talk about football all the time. Mm. So many of them are knackered and if they're knackered imagine what it's like for players and staff who Actual players, yes yeah yes they get paid very handsomely and i know that a lot of people have been like if you pay me that money i'd suffer kind of thing but it's not the point mm. like it's not an excuse just to be like okay yeah they're paid so fuck them this has gone back since uh what are we now end of 2022 may june 2020 height of the pandemic go and play football mm. and they haven't stopped since don't forget as well don't forget the clubs like you know lower down the leagues that have the yeah. same schedules and don't earn that money and are like busting their bodies you know with ridiculous schedules they're doing that some are playing like 46 game league seasons you know they're like they're going in man so it's it's a problem down the leagues what do we do so it's just us moaning again. No, it's not. It's not us moaning. It's not us moaning. It's not at all. Because um, I think all you can keep doing is putting forward the best proposals for alternatives. All you can keep doing is, is suggesting, look, how about regional playoffs and like reducing the burden on players? All you can do is that really, to be honest. It's like house prices. At a certain point, they'll have to do something about house prices in Berlin, flat prices, because ultimately for an economy to go anywhere, people have to have disposable income. You know, it's just a thing. They're going to have to do something about it. So we have to just keep talking about this and complaining about it. And hopefully at some point, the dam will break. Hey, listen, if you want the best way to break the dam, just hire Liz Trust as Prime Minister for a few weeks, tank everything, and then give it a few months and house prices will come down and then everyone can start picking it up. Funny you should mention Liz Trust, actually. Is she involved in the Super League? Well, I wanted to segue to the A22 meeting. Do you know why I say that? Because... <laughs> Do you know what, actually, because I've noticed there's something really funny happening in the world at the moment, which is like absolute chances coming in to big roles, big institutions and trying out these plans they think are amazing only to completely destroy them from within. Elon Musk at Twitter, like going into Twitter and like Twitter had issues, but it, you know, he took he fundamentally an, an institution, an, an entity, and is just driving it to the ground with hubris. He's a super league of tech. And this is the thing, like A22 says very quickly, a segue to uh, 
the eight hundred two meetings. So they're the people that promote the European Super League. Great thread by Ben Jacobs over at CBS. So they go to meet the UEFA president, um, Alexander Sheffrin, and they think it's going to be a one-on-one meeting. And it's basically, frankly, it was kind of an ambush because a ton of executives and fan groups turn up. Tabas is there. And how you make Tabas look like the hero of any situation, you know you've messed up. <laughs> if El Khalifi is like the shining knight, knight in shining armour in any kind of meeting, you've definitely messed up A22. So they turn up, fan groups, Fifth Pro, everyone else is in there. And they're basically like two and a half hours just going at A22. Who funds you? They don't reply. Both don't give an answer. So there's no, we don't, it's, there's no transparency about what A22 is <laughs> so, trying to do. I'm, I'm sorry to laugh. I just yeah. had this uh, imaginary scene in my head of like Christian Bale's Batman being like, <laughs> who is he? Who is he? <laughs> who is he? <laughs> who funds you? And just like, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> what's that mean with the two, the two women screaming at the cat? Oh my God. Yeah. A22 is oh my the God. I love that. I love that. This, yeah. Just, but the thing was though, A22 weren't composed enough because they thought that they were going in just for, like there's a video mm. of the guy, I forget his name, apologies, <laughs> but the, 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 the head of the company, he's doing like a to camera video being like, ah, oh, I'm a, today, is it a bit Matt Hancock on the campaign trail? I'm not right. going to lie. Like I've got my coffee and today I'm going to be meeting with the president of UEFA. We're going to have a chat about the Super League and all of this kind of stuff. And then there's another one afterwards where he comes out and he's just like, <laughs> basically like they thought they were going into a meeting with Seferin only. Yeah. Everyone was there. Everyone. I love the meme analogy, but the cat is content. The yes, that's fine true. That's in true. that meme. And A22 were not because this guy's message afterwards was like, he was a little bit shook. I don't think it went down how he expected it to go down. But it kind of serves them right because there's all of this stuff now where people, with the, with the Super League thing, the thing that blows my mind is that people start throwing up things like, oh, the, you know, UEFA has a monopoly on European football. Mm. It's like, well, governing bodies usually do. It's right. Like saying that the NBA has the monopoly on professional b- basketball in, the, in America. It's like, well, yeah, that's kind of their gig. Right. Governing bodies are there for a reason because it isn't, it shouldn't, football shouldn't be or sports shouldn't be run with the same... It, it shouldn't be run like a free market. Well, there's, there's something... It actually needs people. Unfortunately, the people that we have aren't the kind of people that we would like to be in those positions, which is why my fake UEFA dictatorship was a better option than what we had. It was. And that's how bad it is. But imagine if you actually had people who were like, no, no, no. I know that he hasn't done everything perfectly, but imagine if the UEFA president had the same care and love and listened to the players like Adam Silver does in the NBA. Right, exactly. But do you know what worries me about this? And this, you, you, you're completely right. The thing that worries me about this, Ryan, and it, the meeting, the details of it are, I, in my, I, I find them hilarious. The thing that Can, I you find, them? Fr- Can you read well, some? Well, okay, so um, the meeting was termed incredible, lasted two and a half hours. There, were confusion, there was confusion because A22 claimed no affiliation with the previous European Super League or any links with Juventus, Barcelona or Real. They were challenged by multiple stakeholders and refused to explain who is behind the company or the funding. Stakeholders tell me A22 presented no new ideas. Fan groups were very vocal and Kelaif and Tebis were united in their criticism. What scares me is that they had the audacity to re-enter the room. That is what worries me about all of this. It's ultimately like, no matter how, you know, we see it before, no matter how buffoonish the protesters are in the street, you're like, haha, it's ridiculous. Like, no, they had the audacity to present something so ridiculous. It's the fact this is even on the ballot. This is even the vista of possibility. And this is like the Liz Trusting, like, oh, they're ridiculous, they're laughable, ha ha, oh, they're running the economy. So this is my concern, actually, that- Brexit. 
you're in an age of sh- we're in an age of shamelessness, right? Oh my god, yeah. And they're going to be back. They didn't say who their funders were. Imagine coming to a meeting with the president of UEFA, and you're saying we're going to use soapy. We're not going to tell you who's behind it. That is absolutely wild. Do you know what would be hilarious? If, if it turns out it's PK all along, and he was like, I told you I'd be back. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I, I don't want, I wouldn't want that to happen, but I'd like to see <laughs> no, it. Really, yeah, I'd like no. to see it. Yeah, yeah. That would be, do you know, that would be really funny. Yeah, that mm. would be really funny. PK was like, I told you I'd be back. I'm going to run the Super League. <laughs> I think it's still ridiculous. I think it's still, just some of the language that's used around it. And like you say, the age of shamelessness is such a great way to put it because the amount of times where you actually have to stop and just double check whether you heard something correctly. And it, and it goes from, you know, half of the shit that's come out of Infantino's mouth, to be honest, probably three quarters over the last couple of years yeah, has been like, almost like a weirdly computer generated sentence mm. that you're yeah. just like, how is this real? How is this guy, the guy that is running, essentially running football? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also... It kind of, again, it makes me, <laughs> I don't want to go doom and gloom because I feel like we're doing a lot of doom and gloom stuff, but it does make me think like, where does it end? Like what, like how, how can we actually change it? Because the fact that this World Cup is going ahead and like I say, we'll talk about it next, next week, but you know, you look at some of the comments that have come out from Qatar's World Cup ambassador this, this week yes. about homosexuality being essentially like a brain defect. Christ. Right? Like how the fuck are we in 2022 and we're a week away, 10 days away from a World Cup taking place in a country whose ambassador for the World Cup has come out with something like that so soon. Everyone knew. Everyone took the money. Yeah, yeah. And they're still taking it. And basically, we've said this before on Stadio, that this and the previous World Cups were two of the most criminally awarded World Cups in history. Yes, yes. The paperwork is there. Yes. Look at the, what has happened to the people who were on the voting records. Do you know I've got hope though? Do you know I've got hope? Because institutions that appear they, will no ch- they won't change for a thousand years actually are eroding far, far more quickly than you think from within. So the meat, I'm going to draw an analogy here. It's going to be quite sort of convoluted but very quickly. The Larson B ice shelf, I remember watching it collapse. Uh, I was watching the YouTube uh, sort of footage of it collapsing. And this huge ice shelf collapses in a matter of months, right? They spell up the footage and you see it just collapsing. And this massive ice shelf, you're like, that's never going to... And in just a few months, the whole thing's gone because from within, there are waterfalls spring up everywhere. And I actually think that FIFA has eroded its authority in a way that is not entirely visible. I think they have pushed through. They've done something really interesting. It's not just the Qatar World Cup. I think it's the one-two punch of Russia and Qatar disenfranchising, demoralizing so many people, and they've radicalized a lot of people against them. And it's not just Qatar. It's the one-two punch of Russia. Crucial. I mentioned Russia in that context because that just felt like yeah. such a, I called it, I think before, an authoritarian land grab, right? The short-term effects of that aren't clear. Look, here's the thing. Qatar is going to have its house parties. It's kind of a good old time. But here's the thing about running. Here's the thing about being an authoritarian state throwing a World Cup. It's a bit like the rich guy you need throwing cash around, right? And buying him a drinks at the bar. Everyone's going to drink your drinks, right? But people aren't going to like you. They'll leave the bar and they'll be calling you a tosser. They'll take all your alcohol. You'll be like, oh, like everyone liked me. No, they didn't. They just drank your alcohol. And here's what's going to happen with Qatar, right? In the context of this World Cup, they're going to throw a party. People have a great time. They'll eat all the canapes. They'll have a you know, good time, like good vibes, everything. But the resentment's going to be there. And the resentment towards FIFA, you know, Qatar can go off and do what they like. I think Qatar actually lost here. I think they've lost because 
Oh they my do God. Care. They do care. so much more heat on they them do than they care thought about they promo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for FIFA, they have done themselves far greater damage than they think. And I tell you this because I was talking to like a good friend of mine, a journalist who works um, in and around FIFA, and he said, listen, actually, there are some really amazing people there at FIFA who just love running great tournaments. That and their whole thing is, is they're like, yeah. we're going to go into this organization and we know it's corrupt in many ways, but we want to run really good tournaments because we want to improve youth participation at all levels. You know what? I respect those people, actually. I do respect people that go to these organizations that are like, if I could just carve out a little budget and run a youth tournament in New Zealand and run participation for girls in Nepal and whatever and get stuff going, if I can just do a little bit of good, I actually really respect those people. And I think those people haven't had their day yet. And I think they listen to podcasts like ours. I think they read articles you put out there. I think, not saying they listen to us specifically, but just like, like ours. I think they listen to people who question it because it keeps them going. And all we can keep doing is keep putting out the idea that there is a narrative that's against this. Because look, Japan could have had this World Cup and it would have been one of the most futuristic World Cups that we've seen. Japan could have run this World Cup and it would have, it would have been beaming holograms into stadiums for the fans. So there is another world out there. There's another FIFA out there. And I think it's a lot closer than everyone thinks. And ironically, Qatar and Russia, by overstepping in so many ways, have brought that new FIFA closer. I fully believe that. Here ends the lesson. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You couldn't see that, everyone, but Musa just dropped his mic and walked <laughs> Sorry. <up. laughs> I think we leave it there for today. Let's do because, it. Because um, I'm not going to lie, I feel rather intimidated to even speak now. So, um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we will do a big episode on FIFA next week. Well, not FIFA. We'll, d- we'll do a big episode on the World Cup ahead of the tournament next week because I still think that we want to say some stuff on it that we haven't. Yeah. But well, we have in bits and bobs. We want to do it all together in one go. Um, apologies we didn't get to more questions. We, we, we have got a few that kind of link to the World Cup stuff, but we'll, we'll try and save them for next week. So if we remember, we'll put out a, a reminder. Hit us up on Twitter with the questions. But um, yeah, we should bounce because I actually need to room for a train. Yes, yes, but, um, yes. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Uh, don't forget to check Wright's House if you haven't already. Don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer. Check Moose's piece on Catfish and also his piece on GQ if you hadn't read it about right, the thanks. World Cup. Thanks, man. And don't forget to check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on a tune called No One's Perfect by Linkwood. Um, they've actually got a new album coming out. This is off their previous album, but they've got a new album coming out on Athens of the North. So go check that out. Anything you want to add, Moose Bonga? No, nothing further. I've spoken quite enough, I think, for today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Much love. Have a lovely weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday. See you then.